0: Hello and welcome to episode 49 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have an interview with Jonas Scharf, the artist of comics like The Avengers Halloween Special, Blood and Gourd, Bone Parish, Mighty Morphin Power Ranger, Power Rangers, excuse me, War of the Planet of the Apes, and Warlords of Appalachia. This is Matt, and I'm joined
1: by my co-host Noah. Hey there, and I'd love to bring in Jonas. How you doing, Jonas?
2: Hi, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Jonas,
1: uh, normally what we do is we just have
0: everybody do a brief intro um, and talk about their comics, and then we'll we'll do a deep dive and and go into some of the pages and some of the uh, uh, ins and outs of your art.
2: Okay.
1: So Jonas, were you, uh, based on your biography in the back of Bone Parish, you've always wanted to be a comic illustrator. That's correct, right?
2: Yeah, pretty much. I... Like when I was a teenager, I I pretty much knew that that's what I wanted to do. So I always drew comics even you know, during, during my school time and then uh, in college or university, however you, you'd want to call that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I always wanted to do that. I didn't exactly know how I'd get in, but then that sort of just happened. But we can get into that later, I guess.
1: Oh yeah, was that? Oh, we'd love to go over it now. Was that um, so? What, what college did you go to? And that was in Germany, correct? Right?
2: Yeah. So um, it's called a Fachhochschule. So that's a it's a University of Applied Sciences. Okay. Um, I studied design there, and um, yeah, that was f- uh, three and a half years. No, four years.
1: Five wow. years. Yeah. The design element in your work is very strong, and we're going to get into that as we look at some of your artwork, but that makes a lot of sense that you have a design background. Uh, Was illustration just something that came naturally, like, you know, putting a pen to paper?
2: I don't know if if it came, if it really came naturally. I always loved drawing, but I think, like, looking back at it, I'm not... I'm not sure if it, if it was about the, the drawing itself, but more the, the storytelling, mm-hmm. because even as a kid, I'd like take like little Lego figures and tape them like into little comic books that I made myself. So I don't know if I ever have an interest in just drawing like any abstract stuff. So it, it always has, has to tell a story, I guess. That's really cool. And that's clear. You have a very strong visual story
1: telling thing and, um, We've talked about this a little bit before, and you have, um, you're inspired by comics and film and uh, a lot of other visual media of storytelling. Um, is there one in particular? Was there like one piece of artwork that sort of sparked your interest as uh, sort of an impressionable person, impressionable young person uh, that was sort of made you like, yeah, this, this is something I would love to create something like this someday?
2: Um, I'm not sure if there was one thing. Um, As a kid, I used to read a lot of um, comics like Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, that kind of stuff. Um, I pretty much, like, during my my school time when I initially learned how to read and write, I would uh, read a lot of comics, so that helped. And um, I I kept reading comics, I guess, thanks to the the Star Wars comics from Dark Horse. I discovered those when I was... I think like 11 or 12, I think. So um, I kept reading those f- until like, I guess I was a teenager, like 16, 17, something like that. And then I got into other stuff. I, I always um, watched like YouTube videos about comic art. Um, there's this um, Ghibli one with uh, Stanley, comic book greats, I think it's called. I yeah. watched th- that a, a million times, I think. Um, yeah, so I always had an um, kept an eye out for, I guess, good art or art that I that I liked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I always read
1: comics. So, yeah, and there's a lot of great art in those original Dark Horse Star Wars comics. Wow! So that that I I can relate there because I, I I devoured those things in the middle school, elementary school age, eleven to twelve years old as well. <laughs> um, and uh, so when you got out of college and you have a very cool deviant art page was that how you were discovered was sort of just by putting your artwork online or were you sending your portfolios to publishers
2: um so i i after i finished school i was i think 18 or 19 um i discovered that there was this uh, thing called deviant art and i opened an account and uploaded some stuff and at this point it wasn't quite like the the i don't know <laughs> i don't know how to how to say that it's a little um out there now i guess with like f- fetish stuff yeah, yeah um yeah. so it it wasn't quite there yet at this point um so yeah i uploaded um my stuff there for a while and then after i graduated from uh university um i did some like pitch pages for you know, with other creators I met on DeviantArt, and those all went nowhere pretty much. And then, out of the blue, um, while I was finishing up one of those gigs, um, Eric Halber, my editor on Warlords and Bone Parish, um, just sent me a, a message on DeviantArt. And then we talked, um, you know, via email. And um, yeah, that's then he asked me if I wanted to draw Warlords. So that's how awesome. that happened. <laughs>
0: And speaking of warlords, um, I think uh, I think we have Philip Philip uh, can you hear us?
3: Yeah, can you hear me?
0: Uh, we can thanks uh, thanks for joining us. Um, we were just uh, sort of going through Jonas's uh, backstory and um, discussing like his his uh, you know joy of comics and how, how he got into comics but thanks for thanks for joining us.
3: yeah of course thanks for having me back. hey Jonas Hey Philip. How are these guys treating you so far?
2: Can't complain <laughs> <laughs> yet. Give yeah. him time. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, congrats on do Parish. It looks amazing every month. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I think I, I have to keep congratulating you on like pretty much, you know, there was the last Sons of America thing and then uh, last God.
3: Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's, it's been, I'll say exciting. It's been uh, yeah. a little nuts, but definitely exciting.
0: Cool. Um, so, Phil, I know that your time is limited. So while we have both of you, um, maybe we could do a little bit of discussion about how you two collaborated on on Warlords. Um, uh, so could you give us a little background on how you guys teamed up there?
3: Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I heard Jones talking about Eric Harbour in a little bit. Eric is an incredible editor, and not just as uh, not just creatively, he's also really awesome at finding new talent and uh, we were looking at potential artists for for warlords and it was it was a very short search I mean there was there were some great people on on the list I mean we were looking at some really nice stuff but um, Jonas's stuff just really jumped out at me and I can't remember the, the book that it was from but it seemed like it was a like a period crime book or something and it just and there was um yeah I can't remember, like I wish I knew what the books were that uh, the art was from but it just, the quality was so high, and it fit the the style of Warlords so well that the, the search pretty much stopped right there. And and after that, the um, collaboration, at least from my end, um, was extremely easy. Um, this, honestly, I don't know how much I'll be able to tell you about it because it was just so smooth. Um, I would send in a script, and Jonas would draw it, and we would interact occasionally, like we would uh, – talk about little things like well for one thing at boom they like all the um, they like the interaction to go they like to like the editors like to mediate the interaction oh, okay. so there was not a whole lot of there were not a whole lot of times where we spoke without um, boom also being involved but we would um, we, we had like a FaceTime call or two we just mostly just kind of emailed about how things would go and it was I mean things would come back and look so solid and whenever there was a note, as I remember, it, it was dealt with very, very quickly and easily. And Jonas was just a brilliant collaborator.
1: And Jonas, were uh, do you share the same feelings about Philip? Here is the time that the truth can come out. This is a safe <laughs> space.
2: Yeah, <laughs> no. yeah. No, the the scripts were great. Um, I because I, I myself didn't really like. This was my first like really published gig with a professional like script. And, um, so I really, really didn't have anything to complain about. And, um, as Philip said, Eric really did a great job, like mediating. Um, he answered any questions I had. So, um, yeah, if, if I guess anybody has something to complain about, um, things not being smooth, it's probably Eric. Um, yeah, I think Philip, uh, and I, we, um, I, I got a feeling that, um, when I read his scripts, I sort of knew what he wanted to go for. Um, so I just tried to do that and, um, not embarrass myself, I guess. Oh, well, you did. not it's a great book.
1: Uh, it's such a solid four issue series and it's such a well fleshed out world and it fleshes itself out in such a short time. Uh, yeah. did you have, were you pretty, um, uh, do you have trouble with deadlines? Jonas, or are you a pretty fast worker when it comes to pages like uh, like the ones you did on Warlords?
2: Mm, so since this was my first um, job on a, yeah, basically on a, on a regular schedule, um, and the first issue is uh, 32 pages or 28, something like that. Philip, do you know?
3: Yeah, I think there's 28, if I remember right. 28.
2: 26 or yeah. 28. Yeah, they gave yeah, so, few extra pages without we didn't even ask for it,
3: but they were like, "Hey, we're going to do this, we're going to make this first issue a little bit longer before we even, I think it might have been before the script was even turned in." Um, yeah, so it was really nice to have that extra space.
2: Yeah, so the first issue was oversized and um yeah, so that was my the, the first I guess issue I drew professionally was an oversized one and um yeah, I I wasn't sure if if I was really or I'm not sure if I'm a fast worker or if I just um work too much (laughs) i think i think it's getting better where i'm getting more efficient but um usually it's just you know long long hours at the drawing board
0: and philip did you see things at like each stage like the the layout stage the pencil stage the 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 inking stages or did you just see like uh you know almost completed inked pages
3: um i saw every stage as it came in it was really great because, cool. And I, I definitely prefer that. Like I, I really hate to not see stuff until a lot of work's been done. Because then, if there's a problem, I, I really feel guilty giving notes on something that took hours to give. So I, I really, <clears throat> as a collaborator myself, I always prefer to, to see the layouts just to make sure we can not to micromanage, but to make sure that if there is some kind of a miscommunication, that it gets dealt with before any, like any real time goes into it. So I, I really like seeing every stage when I can, and that, and that's how it went down for uh, Warlords.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure the artist um, appreciates that. I mean, I, I, you know, spending a whole day uh, inking a page only to find out that, like, you know, this character was, was standing on the wrong side of the panel or, or that uh, that would be pretty frustrating. You know, catching that in the, in the layout or the, the penciling stage is, is, is for the best.
3: Sure. when this stuff happens, it's usually not the artist's fault. Like, I, whenever there's been miscommunications, it's because something was not specific enough in the script. Um, yes. So really, when I'm giving notes... Um, at layouts is usually because of my own stupidity, not because of anything the artists have done wrong. Um, so I really appreciate having that opportunity.
0: Yeah, I think, I, I mean, just kind of speaking as a writer, I think sometimes we live so much in our head that like <clears throat> it it makes sense to us and we haven't been exactly clear because that, that story has been in our head for so long that it's clear to us. and then we And then when somebody comes back to us, we see. Oh, you know, we really weren't as clear as we could be. So yeah, I agree with you there. That a lot of times, that might be where the most of the uh, communication issues uh, stem from.
3: Yeah, I one um, one nice thing about working with Jonas was um, there were maybe more on this book. This is only my second printed book, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, when this was when we were working on this book, um, often I would get. A layout back and it would be very different like a, a panel would look different or a page layout would look different than I imagined um, but there wasn't any there was not no reason to change it like the what Jonas had done worked just as well or better than what I envisioned and so it helped me be a better collaborator like I um, you know when you get a page back and there's some kind of a, a thing that really has to be changed for a reason that matters then yeah you can make notes but um, it was a great it really was a collaboration in that um, Jonas envisioned a lot of things differently than I did. And when it came back, I decided to just leave it because there was, um, you know, I don't want to micromanage the artist if there's no reason to, you know. Sure. And that it always come, it just came back looking great, all like pretty much every time.
2: Yeah. Did and you ever feel um, like disappointed with some panels? I guess because I I have that that same feeling with like expectations when the when the Colored pages come in where it's just so different from what you imagined. And it's oftentimes it's very good or probably even better than you imagined. But just the the, the, the disconnect, I guess, between what you imagined and then what you get back. Um, did you ever feel, I guess, disappointed on some panels?
3: No, there. I mean, sometimes there would be, I'd say for the first time and I would be surprised and be like, oh, huh. I envision it like this, but then um, as I looked at the whole – sometimes artists are thinking about things like – I can't speak for you, but people would think about the composition of the entire page, which is something that I I typically do not think about. Like if if I'm thinking about a whole page, I might, in my mind, envision a lot of um, close-ups and not really a lot of establishing shots or something, and when I get the page back, there will be – a wider variety of, of distance and perspectives than I had envisioned that actually makes the page overall as a work of art work much better. Yeah. So I don't, a, I don't remember ever being like disappointed as much as just like, oh, huh, and I had to kind of like evaluate it differently and see if there was any reason to change it, and if not, I would just shut up.
2: <laughs> yeah. The, the close-ups is a bit of a bad habit for me, or it, it used to be, I guess. Eric really did a great job like tra- training me to not do like medium or close shots every time so cool. that was like constant notes from him to like pull out and show up yeah the, it's a uh,
3: bad habit of mine too like I just from from movies I guess like I'm used to seeing a conversation go down where you have a lot of close-ups of people's faces
2: yeah that's probably it yeah and
1: that's something I've noticed rereading Warlords and now rereading reading Bone Parish Jonas with your work is that you have a very nice rhythm of close-ups to medium shots to wide shots um, not just in like action sequences in Warlords, like uh there's this one sequence and uh where it's uh, at the the fourth issue where there's the knife fight between mm-hmm. uh Cade and the and the and the super soldier and it constantly gets closer and closer to the action, but then it's sort of a wide shot for that final bashing. Yeah. Um but also in Bone Parish you have this really sweet moment, I think at the end of issue one, um, where the mother whose name I can't remember you know she's getting high to be with her dead husband and there's that moment of urgency where she's losing him mm-hmm. and it cuts to these very close-up shots and then it's got this nice wide pullback um, yeah. where she's holding him now is stuff like that for you is that instinctive or are you do you rely heavily with the writer and their sensibilities when
2: you're doing those sequences um, I guess it depends like sometimes um, that stuff is in the script um, I believe with the the knife fight, I th- I'm I'm not sure, um, but I think there was like um, like close-ups on the knife or something like that was probably in the script. Um, but then for for other stuff, you know, it's uh, it it really depends. Sometimes I I improvise. Um, yeah, I I usually don't think about it that much. There's just um, some things just have to like feel right and um yeah when you're trying to overthink it too much um that's usually those are usually the harder pages Mm. um yeah the 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 nicer or the easier pages are usually when it just sort of feels right and you you know where where the panels need to go and how big they are going to be and what kind of shot okay
1: that's really cool to know because uh I was wondering about that with certain action sequences in both books because they're very well coordinated on your part. And uh, with with you, Philip, when you were writing the action sequences, were you pretty descriptive, or would you let Jonas sort of just guide the action where it needed to go?
0: Um, I think Philip might be having a few
1: few audio oh, okay. problems,
0: so we'll have to we'll have to come back to him on that. Okay
1: yeah well uh so with uh, on warlords then i guess jonas like uh were there certain times because like one of the amazing things about that book is how much world building you can fit in while on top of that like some of the most brutal action i've ever seen in a comic um were you given a lot of freedom there um
2: what do you mean exactly Um, oh like were you
1: able to let your imagination go free with sort of how an action sequence would play out um whether it would be that knife fight at the end of issue four or the, um, with the big battle in issue two where Cade is invading the, the village with his um, all-terrain vehicle. Okay. Um,
2: yeah. So for, for, um, pretty much all of my projects, I've had, um, a full script. So usually all that stuff is pretty much described in the, in the pages of the script where like, um, I, I did like the designs for the vehicles and that kind, that kind of stuff. Um, but then in the script, it clearly says that he is driving into town with this vehicle, and you know, since Philip really knows his military stuff, um, that really helps a lot. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah. yeah. So, uh,
0: Phil, we were kind of discussing the, the 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 close shots, the medium shots in the knife fight at the at the end of uh, is it uh, issue one four. Uh, issue four and I fight yes yeah,
3: at the yeah. end with uh, with one of the, the big guys
0: yeah so yeah. do you remember when you wrote that did you have sort of like shots in mind or even shots dictated like in the script like this these are close-ups and then we're going to pull back um because we were we were discussing that
3: um I don't think I don't think I usually specify it on perspective mm-hmm. but Jonas can correct me if, if that's not true I don't remember being really picky about where perspective is from. I don't usually get into the details like that unless it becomes a problem. Like if you're working with an artist who, um, who kind of strays deliberately from the script to make a, to make something less of a problem to draw or something. And it, it, and it messes up the page. You might have to start getting more specific. Like the knife is thrust in from the right with the left hand an angle of 12 degrees. Like <laughs> So you're, you know, kind of, put your foot down if something really has to be a certain way, but um, that never really came up with Jonas. I, there was, um, there was one moment, I think when I specified um, an aspect of the fight where it might've been when he, when the arm was coming off or something. Uh, spoilers. <laughs> um,
1: oh yeah. I forgot about that. Spoiler alert. <laughs>
3: I guess this book's been out for three years and it's probably fine. Okay. Um, uh, there was um like from a jiu-jitsu perspective if the there was a there was a thing where there wasn't any there wouldn't have been any leverage from a certain perspective and so i i asked that something change a little bit in that but as far as the perspective um or the distance or any of that i don't think i got into the weeds much with that and let jonas just do what he wanted to do Like we i feel like we established a lot of trust over the course of the series and there was there was no need for any of that very cool
0: do you uh Philip, so are there at times that like um, you do sort of think that you have an interesting perspective or the the shot just sort sort of seems to, to come to you that in your head that like say maybe like every once in a great while you will say, "Hey, this should be an overhead shot or this should be a close up <coughs>
3: um, yeah, I usually I will um, sometimes the script these days will have very specific. Mentions of a perspective. If there's a really cool layout that I want to try, or envisioning in a very specific way that makes it unusual, um, I'll call it out and be like, "Hey, so and so, this is what I envisioned for this. Um, See if it works. And if it doesn't work for you, then we can totally do something else. But this is what this is how I envisioned it. So I'll give a specific note with a caveat that I'm not I'm not making you do this. Like you're the artist, do what you want. Here's how I envisioned it. If you find a better way, that's fine." that's that's pretty much as demanding as i ever get
0: so it's sort of like a uh, a suggestion an open suggestion maybe
3: yeah i mean if there's um yes basically like there's a there's a page in an upcoming book that i that i wrote that involves a much higher page count than i normally do our panel count rather um in which um it's a super close up on this little spot in the ceiling and then it pulls away a little bit and something is dripping onto the ceiling from below, and you're, at first you're like, "I don't get it." Like, I, I want there to be a moment of confusion for the reader, like, "I don't know what I'm looking at." And then it backs up, and it'll it'll jump from this perspective to a different one, and then to a different one, and it. Um, but you gradually get more a bigger and bigger picture of what you're looking at, and then, and then uh, that leads up to the big page turn when you see what you're actually seeing. Um, for something like that, I feel like it's important to. Go ahead and call out what you're imagining, um, okay. and then if it doesn't work for that, like if that artist, if that if that layout does not speak to that artist, you have to respect that. Like you, if you force someone to do something they're not comfortable with, um, it's unlikely that you'll get inspired results. You know, you want the you want the artist to do their best work, to feel inspired, and all that. Um. So yeah, I try not to force issue very often but when, when there's a very specific kind of vision or if there's a say there's a page of super like full full length very narrow panels like um you know left to right four panels all extremely uh long and narrow um you can call that out <clears throat> and see if it works and see what the artist comes back with and if the artist is
1: just feeling a different solution then you should you should respect that
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um speaking of page turns i'm gonna share my screen right here and talk about my favorite page turn in Warlords. And I, I think I brought it up to both of you guys on separate occasions, but I just wanted to know if you guys have any background on this, this one right here. If you guys can see my screen, just let me know. Um, where the, uh, the, the, the commando cyborg squad is coming into the building and uh, you, they think they're winning, and then they come around this corner, and then the next page is this, like, half page of the guy dead in the shower right here. <laughs>
2: yeah. And
1: um, it's, it's, my, it's my favorite moment of the comic. It's just a great moment of storytelling, just a great page turn reveal. Um, so right here, um, was this something that was in the script that you wrote in, um, Philip, and then – did he just sort of like let Jonas run with it um what did I write what in? I'm sorry, the page turn, I guess
3: yeah, like I'm always very specific about like the page turns are a big deal to me like the I feel like yeah. the page turns are the thing that compel the reader forward. It's kind of like um you know like imagine every um, imagine like a an online TV show of one minute episodes where at the end of every one minute there's a big. Cliffhanger, or something that makes you come back. You know, that's that's kind of what this is.
1: So you, I, I'm sorry, you go I, ahead. Keep
3: I it. had a <clears throat> I had another book in which um, we're trying to fit everything into this trade, this massive trade. And um, there's something weird with the, like I guess we were right up against the limit for a number of pages that we could do without paying a higher printing cost or something. Like I, this is these are matters that I don't usually think about for a, when publishers are dealing with it. And they would be like, okay, we got to find a way to trim a few pages. Oh, I have this great idea. What if we, if we don't have to worry about the page turns, we can just double it up. Like they wanted to take out like the buffer pages and just um, basically they would, it would offset the the page turn one page for an entire issue. And then again, two issues later and then again, two issues later. And I was like, absolutely not, man. Like this, I put a ton of thought maybe not everyone does, but I put a ton of thought into my page turns. And it doesn't always work out like you want it to. Like there are times when you have to just suck it up and have a reveal on the, on the following page. Um, there, yeah, there are times when that happens and it's unfortunate, but, um, you always want the big, like, forget me, is this, is the big dead body shot here? Is that, is that an even number page? After the page turn? Yeah, that said, well, I guess, yeah, that would be an even number page. Turn. Okay, yeah. great. Yeah,
1: yeah.
3: Um, sometimes you can't have it, but, um, especially in a book like Warlords where you're trying to fit so much information into so, you know, four issues. Mm-hmm. Um, every word in this comic counts.
1: Right. Um, yeah. So
3: there, there were times when it didn't get my way, but um, it, the, the page turn is usually a real big deal for me. And
1: this one is awesome. And Jonas, what's, do you have an approach to a page turn or leading an eye off of the page to the
2: next one? Um. When when I do my layouts, I usually, um, probably in the, in the, the back of my mind, I probably think about it, but, um, it's, it's usually, um, so it, it just has to, I I really go after feeling. Um, Mm -hmm. so a lot of people probably are a lot more, um, um, I guess more thoughtful isn't the right word. What is the right word? Cerebral about it, I guess. Um. Yeah, I I guess sometimes it just um, what you feel is often a pretty good choice, like in in my experience. So um, yeah, it's it's um, I don't know, I'm, I'm
1: struggling. Strug- oh <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, yeah, so there's, there's a lot of fear, I guess, in these pages right here. I guess there are a lot of suspense. So do you sort of? Take upon that, that tension in the story onto yourself and try to put that on the
2: page. Yeah, always. Like, um, yeah. when I read a script, um, usually like the um, you, you get a certain sense of, of the page. You get a certain feeling. Um, you sometimes, sometimes uh, I see like almost how the shot could look like in my head and then i just try to um i get that on the page uh, usually i i don't get it quite right um but sometimes i do and then that's a that's a good day but um yeah it's uh it's very much about the the feeling i get from the script and um yeah then the rest is just um how many pa- panels are there how do they need to be placed in order for the the storytelling i guess to make sense and to flow and um yeah
3: I will say, looking at this page now, I, I'm certain that I would have been struggling, like losing sleep at night because we had to have those two little, like on the, on the panel with the, the dead guy, having to show those two little panels leading up to that. It would have been great if we could have fin- put that on the previous page, but there's just no way. So um, the one like thing that kind of made it okay was that those two panels Are very brief and there's nothing super meaningful that you have to read. So if your, your eye can kind of breeze through the first, those first two panels and then kind of focus on the the big dead guy. It's not like there was a a meaningful conversation happening in the first two panels where you had to linger because that would have messed up the whole flow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I love um, Jonas, your approach to having these uh those first two panels be sort of minimal in their detail but you still get a lot of emotion through the shadows and a lot of intensity in there so that that center image that big image on the right with the dead guy in the bathroom you can really go full detail on that
2: yeah i figured um if we have to have those two panels in there they'd have to be pretty um like easy to read pretty graphic and um yeah, Doug, the the colorist did a really great job making them probably as graphic as as one could. So, yeah. And do you use
1: photo reference, Jonas? Did you pose yourself in the um, bathroom with your arm up on with your leg up on the toilet for this page? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um
2: I probably should use more photo reference, but I don't use um I use it for like environments to get uh, inspiration. Um just to figure out like, um, and I think I've gotten better about this as time went on, um, to really inform like the, the designs or the, the, the environments, um, to look at photo reference beforehand. But then when I draw, um, for better or worse, I usually don't use a lot of, um, photo reference.
1: Wow. That's a, you have a really vivid imagination then like and yeah like that's well not, and looking, looking at that yes. shot uh, i don't yes. know
2: if it's a compliment but uh um.
1: <laughs> well yeah that as i was saying that i was like that's probably not the best compliment <laughs> but let's look at some other stuff that would compliment that i guess uh okay that's also really violent um uh well <laughs> yeah. let's like uh as a child yeah <laughs> yeah yeah yep. uh well, like, uh, let's talk about, I guess the first issue, the first, um, image of the first issue. I, I really love this and you're Jonas, you're really good at landscapes and, uh, it's showing the environment or the setting. Um, when this image film comes up, yeah, this one right here. So Philip, did you provide him with Kentucky photos, like references or things like this?
3: Um, I did It's Um, let's see. I didn't at first. And then when I first came back, there were some trees that looked more like
2: German pine trees. Yes, exactly. It looked yeah. more like, it looked more like a German
3: forest. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, this looks awesome, but it's somehow terribly wrong. And I, I was like, wait, no, the trees, that's the trees. And so I would, um, I put out, um, I found a bunch of t- pictures of trees that looked more familiar to me. Um, the thing is like, it. The Appalachian Mountains do go through North Carolina as well, and uh, and other states. And it's uh, I couldn't say for sure that every that you know every part of the Appalachians looked like what I remembered, but I did find some trees and and pictures of the, to send them to make them look more like this. And we didn't. I mean, we still there are still pine trees visible, and that's fine. Like it's not like there are none um, in Kentucky. Um, the way it looks here it looks great. Uh, we did that. That is one that we had to collaborate a little more closely on to get the to get the look right. But the way the the town is kind of nestled in the in the down below the mountains like that. That's all like, exactly how it is out there. You would normally see like an interstate somewhere. Um, but aside from that, it's like, and you don't want that in this anyway. You want it to feel timeless. You know, you want this mm-hmm. to be a town that could have been until you see the drone hovering. You want it to look like a town that could have existed a hundred years ago. Yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, it turned out. Awesome.
1: And Jonas, is this sort of a, a mix of things for you when you're putting this image together? Are you looking? Are you combining multiple photos into this one landscape?
2: Um, yeah, I, I probably took some of those um, reference photos that that Philip provided, and um, I don't really like. Um,
3: to be clear, I didn't have any photos like, of a landscape like this. They were all much closer yeah. and a very different perspective, just to sh- show him the, the kinds of trees that he'd see. But there's nothing that looked like this. This is all out of his head.
2: So usually I try to like, um, like figure out um, elements that um, that are sort of, um, I guess, I- iconic or that you could um, that, that are a representation for what that kind of thing would look like. Um, so I don't really copy um, the photo reference, um, but I try to like understand it and sort of put it on the page. Um, I really like drawing uh, like trees and, and and nature in general. So um, I I draw a lot of it from from the, from my head, but um, yeah, as Philip said, that uh, it, it sometimes it, it helps to have photo reference, uh, especially if it's not a an environment that I'm very familiar with yeah it's amazing
1: yeah it was uh, um, getting these
3: pages back was so exciting like every every time i got pages it was um i don't know if jonas i don't know if you're sending them in batches to eric or if it was like page by page but I, i always got them in these big batches sometimes i wouldn't see anything until the entire issue was in and then we would give notes like on the whole issue at once um and just seeing them, like seeing the layout, even just the layouts come in was awesome. And then seeing them go from that to this <clears throat> was just so awesome. Like I, the, the first page I had, um, I envisioned, I think it was the first page of uh, Remender and Scalera's Black Science, if I remember right. It was a, um, or no, actually no, it wasn't. It might have been the first page of Nameless this other sci-fi comic
0: mm-hmm.
3: um, where it was basically one big panel, like, it was a, like a big splash page. And then there was a, a full width, like a, a, a very shallow wide panel kind of superimposed on top of it. And then another one below that, if I remember right, it was like, so it looked like five panels, even though it was really just one big one with two little ones chopping it up. And I thought that was just the coolest shit ever. And yeah. I think, I think I mentioned something like that when we were laying out the, when we were talking about page one of warlords and um, he came, he came up with something a little bit different, but still like very much like that. It was still a big splash page that showed different, you know, you get the far away shot and then the medium distance shot and then the super close up at the very bottom of the, of the, the, uh, the body like trapped in melted concrete. And then little panels over the top of that showing a guy talking into a microphone. I just love that page. That's one of my favorite pages of the series, even now.
1: I actually have that one on here. Let me pull that up really quick. Um, I can get this guy to work. Um, Because that one is a, that's a great bookend to the story as well. The, oh, here we go.
0: So let me ask a question while, while we're working, looking for this image. Uh, Jonas, you work uh, traditionally, right?: Yes
2: all um, pencil and ink.
0: do you uh, do you, uh, Do you ink like on like a light box, or do you um, do do scans and then ink on top of like I guess the scans?
2: Um you, as, uh, now um, um, I do my little layouts on like a small sheet of paper and then I scan those in, send them in for approval and um, then I blow those up um, to the full size comic boards and then I pencil and ink on top of those layouts directly. So I print them out in blue line and pencil over it. Um, for Warlords, I think I I had like a, a smaller like intermediate size for the pencils where I drew the pencils at like half size and then the la- the layouts were half size of that. So it's, it's a, the, the German system, it's uh, DIN. So it's um, DIN A5, DIN A4 and then DIN A3. Um, so those are all like halves of each other. So yeah, but now I just print the the layouts out and draw over those.
1: That's very cool. Yeah, here's I, the page that Joe man, that yeah Philip was talking about. I
3: love time. this page, and there's so much information on it. Yeah, like it was again because of the space. Even even with the oversized comic, I was just cramming things in, trying not to make it feel cramped. Um, like at the beginning of that first panel, <clears throat> you establish that you know Orrin Roth is the guy speaking, and later you learn who that is. So pretty much at the end of the issue, you think he's just some. Rush Limbaugh style um, media guy until later. Then mm-hmm. um, you get his, his monologue and you get, and you see the picture of what he's talking about and realize there's two, t- two sides of the story. Um, like if you, if you dig deep into this first page, you can just get a ton of information without the big exposition dump that I usually try to avoid. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just, I, I, just I remember
2: it. you had a lot of um, like um, I guess, lore. Um, and then you have also those those songs at the beginning of each issue. You had so much of that world already um, established in your head, the the flags and all that stuff with the different um, stars and what that would represent. So it's yeah. a shame we, we really couldn't get into all of that with the four issues. Yeah, well,
3: they were great about letting me do the, the songs and, yeah. um, and putting – there were these little um, bits and pieces of speeches and um, – interviews and um, gospel from the book of Luther and things like that printed in the front of each single issue. Those didn't make it into the, uh, the trade, unfortunately, but those helped just again, just squeeze a little bit more lore into it so that the, the lore hounds could have more to, more to read if they wanted it.
1: Yeah. We love, I love this book and uh, love to see you guys work together again in this world or in another world.
3: Oh man, that'd be awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: I mean yeah, Jonas is everyone's noticing Jonas's work and I'm I'm doing some more big profile things here soon too. So I'm I'm still very hopeful that we can come back to this.
2: That would um, be so awesome. Yeah, yeah I got, just wish I could draw faster. Like I wish I could draw three books at a time, but um Yeah, no, don't don't change anything. <laughs> yeah, no, please I, don't. I won't.
1: I won't. Yeah. Yeah. Um with uh before you have to go, Philip, I don't know if you have much time left to answer one more question, but, uh, with this page, that's really great is that you don't see Oren Roth until the end of the issue in full. And there's this sort of great buildup to a sort of a villain reveal at the end. It's kind of like the shark from Jaws, I guess, you know, yeah. where it's like, you don't see him fully until he's the full threat and he's right. like calling down, you know, to rain fire basically on Kentucky. Right. Um, really well done. And, uh, was that in the script?
3: Yes. Yeah, totally.
1: That's very cool.
3: Um, I think, how did it go? I think in the original draft, I don't think we showed him. I tried it like we didn't no, Nobody called him the president. I think until I want to say maybe the very final page, um, we or maybe the page before the last, I don't remember it, but it's, yeah, it was I held it back as long as we possibly could. Um, but yeah, it's and I'm very happy how it turned out in the end because we we wanted that big full page splash of um, of Cade, you know, driving that vehicle down into into you know gunfire and all that. So it it turned out perfect how how it turned out.
1: Yeah, it really did. It's, it's a great moment.
3: Yeah, it, this this script did change a lot just from the from the first script first draft to the end. Um, there was um, at first the the president had another handler that kind of we were seeing mostly the handler until the end of the issue. When we finally saw the president himself, um, we, we changed that, but, um, yeah, all the changes that we made were good ones. I was very happy with it. I try not to be too, I've learned not to be too precious with little details. It's I try to keep my my eye on the big, on the macro when we're dealing with micro, you know, things like panel layouts and, you know, dialogue.
2: Yeah. There's
1: a lot of cool stuff a lot of cool design within the world, within the script and within the artwork itself. Um, Thanks. Well, Jonas yeah. is
3: awesome. We've been, we've been trying to get together on other projects too. Like there've been other opportunities. Um, Jonas reached out to me about another uh, creator owned thing, like a, a small press thing a couple of years ago that didn't work out, unfortunately. And I reached out to him for another, for a licensed book recently that didn't work out for scheduling reasons. And um, But, I think we it's something we both want to do, and I I feel like we'll definitely get a chance at some point. Hopefully on this, but definitely on something.
1: I hope so. I'll be there. I'll be there to order it all. Yeah. Thanks, dude. So, um, Philip, I know that uh, we're, we're these are the last couple of minutes
0: that we have you here for. So, why don't you, you talk about some of these these things that you have coming out here very soon?
3: Oh, Okay. Um, well, in October, I've got the Last God coming out from DC Comics. Um, Super stoked about it. It's a, um, it's a comic series I wanted to read, actually, for a long time. It's a story that's equal parts epic fantasy and horror that goes, like, all the way, both directions. It follows two parallel stories of two, you know, heroic fellowships or, you know, supposedly heroic fellowships living 30 years apart in this fantasy world, both fighting, you know, the, the hordes of the, the god in the void, the last living god in this world. And uh, the second fellowship is forced to redeem the mistakes of the first. It's, um, it's epic sword and sorcery, badassery, basically. But it's also got undead apocalypse survival horror, uh, Tolkien-esque world-building, you know, body horror. Mm-hmm. It's, it goes all the way. Like, it really is a true fantasy book, but it's also a true horror book. It's something I wanted to read for a long time myself. I'm working with Ricardo Federici on that. He's recently of Dark Knight's Metal and Aquaman. Nice. And it's—he's been a joy to work with. He's um, an Italian artist. Um, He's incredible. So that's—it's really fun. There's also a lot of—we talked a little bit about the lore in um, in Warlords, and it's actually very much the case with Last God as well, where there's four to six pages at the back of every issue that's devoted just to world building, to like prose writing. So you'll see folk tales and more original music, like I did with Warlords. histories, bits of gospel that exist in this world to get pictures of the mythologies and all that Uh, more sketches by Ricardo. Um, There's enough here that tabletop gamers will have everything they need to, you know, build their own campaigns in this world. If they, if they want to, Um, that'd be awesome. That comes out October 30th from DC and also Marvel zombies. Uh, It's called Marvel, sorry, Marvel zombies respawn, which is a kind of a reboot of the whole Marvel zombies franchise. And that is what's rec- um uh Leonard Kirk. And that comes out I think the same day actually, also October thirtieth. Oh wow, uh, awesome. B- and big it's day just, for you. Yeah, it's a good day. And the um that one it's uh, it's just a first issue. It's like an a like a, an oversized issue that kind of sets the stage for what's going to follow. So it's you know, we'll get one issue in October and then a few months later, we'll get the rest weekly, I believe, is the, is the plan. But we'll see what they decide to do.
0: It's pretty awesome. It's so close to Halloween. <laughs>
3: yeah, totally. It's. Um, I'm sure that was purely coincidental.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to both of those projects. And uh, it would be great if, uh, Jonas, we could get you onto the Marvel Zombies because your Halloween special last year was so amazing. Oh, my God. And, uh, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah.
3: Yep. So those are my books. I'm also doing a, uh, I'm co-writing a book with my friend Steve Orlando that I can't talk about just yet, but mm. we're going to announce what that is. Hopefully New York Comic Con.
1: Oh, Very great. Cool. Very cool. We'll be looking for that. And we'll, we'll Jonas, have to have you on. Was,
3: Jonas, this is a pleasant uh, pleasant surprise. Really glad we got to talk on here. Yeah. And uh, let's talk again soon. We'd love to do a book with you. And I'm, uh, I've am i been loving, loving Boat Parish, man, every every month.
2: Thank you. Yeah. Hopefully we see each other in uh, October. Yeah. Are you going to be at the con? yeah pretty sure oh yeah okay well that's light is booked hotel too so yeah all right let's drink awesome. uh, sounds nice. good yeah. sounds good very excited for last god so thank you sir well, I'll, I'll give you a review by then yeah do that i'll send you something
1: yeah thank you so much for being on philip and we'll have to have you on closer to one last god and uh marvel zombies come out because there's a there's Multiple episodes in there as far as content goes. Oh
3: my God. I could go on for yeah. years.
1: Yeah. Uh, we would love for you to do that on the awesome, show. Awesome, man. Yeah. Well,
3: I'll be on. All right. All right. Thank
1: you so much. All right, gentlemen.
3: Sorry I got to split, but thanks so much for having me on.
1: Oh, no worries. Thanks for thanks for,
0: thanks for joining us. All right. Bye. Bye. All right. So um, how about uh, if we look at some, uh, would, would we want to look at some uh, Bone Paris pages uh, here?
1: Yeah. Well, I, I had some questions um, about, um, Your style, Jonas, and sort of how it's evolved over across all your projects and stuff. Yeah. Um, I got this great page up here from Bone Parish right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, this, what I noticed is that on Warlords and War for the Planet of the Apes, and even on the little bit that you did in the Halloween special last year, it seemed to be your materials were, you know, of course you penciled and then you inked over that and you used various brushes, um, and lines, but I was seeing some stuff in bone parish where you were maybe using more uh, screen tones i don 't know how how you would call if you call them that where you guys are from, um, but it's sort of the the dots you know yeah. and that you put over the pages um, so what's uh what how's your how's your style evolved? Are you just in experimenting all the time with different techniques
2: um, yes, that too um, it also depends on on the paper I use and um I knew for, for Bone Parish, I wanted a bit of a, um, like a rougher style, I guess, a bit more like texture. So I used a bit of a rougher paper. Um, I used very smooth boards, um, for pretty much everything before, I think. Um, also used a lot more, um, brush for Bone Parish. Um, I think I used a lot more like pens and, um, that kind of stuff for, for the stuff before. Yeah. And on the Halloween special, I tried to um, like find a balance between where I want like, cleaner, I guess, more superhero y lines. And then for the gore, still a bit of texture.
1: Yeah. And I can, um, and we've talked about it before, but on, on this panel that we're looking at right now, I can definitely see uh, some uh, Sean Gordon Murphy influence there. Are, are you pretty
2: inspired by his work? Um, I try not to rip him off, um, but I'm very much inspired by his. Yeah, I think. Yeah, was, I was a, Yeah, no rip of the, off
1: here. It's it's definitely your work, but I can definitely see the inspiration yeah. there. Yeah, no, I've
2: I've been a big fan of his work for years now.
1: He's yeah. a fan favorite. He's a, he's one of our favorites on this podcast as well. We love talking I mean, about
2: his Great, uh, and I'm really excited about um, his Curse of the White Knight. I still haven't read the first issue. Um,
1: have Neither to have I. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking okay. forward to it. Yeah, but. Um, and you use, uh, acrylic for the white inks, like the white spots, like for the specs, or do you use white ink?
2: Um, I think it's, um, actually white acrylic ink. Okay. If I'm not mistaken. Hold oh, on, got the jar here. Yeah. It's called acrylic ink. It's a uh, La Rowney. Um, not sponsored, but, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I also used a bit of airbrush on that. Page in particular, um, yeah, I can see it. Glow, yeah. I, I stopped doing that when I realized that Alex did a really great job, like adding like glow and and like crazy pink hues to the pages. So, yeah, his
1: uh, that's uh, that's that's something great about the book is these uh, the moments where reality starts to bend, the the colors, the how they change and they become more hazy and they go over your line work is beautiful it's beautiful work it's uh, do you do you communicate pretty closely with your colorist on this book
2: um, usually i just let him do his thing because it's okay. um it's usually pretty good um so okay yeah you have, you have to realize I'm, I'm german so pretty good is uh pretty high phrase but i should probably <laughs> step it up a little his stuff is always great um yeah i, I uh, Uh, from reading the
1: book, I know what you mean. It's, it's amazing colors on there. And, uh, yeah, but, uh, I wanted to talk about this page specifically because, uh, Matt, Matt showed it to me a couple days ago. And, um, you know, when you're reading through a book, you don't really take the time to appreciate the composition of a page. Yeah. And, uh, this one, he really pointed it out as just how good the composition is right here. Um You do a great job with invisible lines leading your eye around the page yeah. and um so are do you do you think about those lines a lot when you're when you're composing things
2: um so, so for that panel i for sure um thought about it more than I usually do because it was such a like big panel in the first shot of the of the lab mm-hmm. so um i'm pretty sure i I tried to have like walkways to like lead the eye. You can see the, the, uh, the left corner, um, the walkway leading towards that ladder. And then those two ladders across the bookshelf, uh, like leading the eye down. Mm-hmm. And then you can sort of like zigzag between those, those corpses and the different tables. Um, then you also have the, the railing from the, the right corner um, leading the eye down to the second panel. So I thought about that. For sure, um, yeah, it's
1: yeah. a beautiful composition and very natural. It didn't feel like you were literally drawing arrows, you know it just sort of yeah. flows really nicely and um even on the the panel below that, where her eye line is sort of looking at that arm on the corpse, and then how that arm leads it into the yeah. the the sphere on the bottom there it's uh it's a very masterfully composed page and it can definitely shows your design strengths.
2: Some of that stuff just happens on accident, I guess. But um, yeah. when when you think about it and um, it does work, then that's, that's really satisfying. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. But
0: I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of that is that you, you is from, like you said, all the comics that you read um, growing up that like, yeah, for sure. You're saying that like, you don't really think about it, but maybe just like at a subconscious level, like all of the, the, the imagery and the stuff that you've seen, you're sort of, you're still able to, to, to make that composition.
2: Yeah. All of the time. Just the, uh, along the, the shots you, you pick, um, like your, your personal taste for the, the shots you like to use and, um, how much black that, that all of that is, I guess, an, an acquired taste or, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And, uh, It's, it's,
1: it's great to see your, your use of, um, blank spaces. And then when you use those textures here, especially on, um, it looks like you use ink wash for the gurneys down here. Um, and I love that. Yeah. You, you have this great, you know, these, these really dark black spots, but I love that you, you took the time to show the, the metallic texture by using ink washes down here.
2: That was the idea because, um, when you have a lot of, um, black you can't um like everything just you know every shadow can't be just pure black right and um i didn't use a lot of cross hatching uh, when i first started out on bone parish but i started using that a lot more in the later issues so um yeah i i knew that the, the texture was supposed to be like metallic so whenever that happens i try to do an, an ink wash or something like that to to make it look i guess like it's reflecting some some bounce light or something.
1: Yeah, that's a really good choice. It's a really it's really amazing. Um and uh I'm sorry I'm jumping around a little bit here, but uh my wife just recently read Warlords of Appalachia mm-hmm. and she loved it. She was just one of her yeah she she really loves uh really loves the book and uh loves um loves uh Philip's writing on it and your artwork on it. Um but she uh wanted me to ask about um the blue boys and their design in yeah. the book and uh um philip's gone over it on in the on our other interview he talked about the blue boys and sort of their inspiration and things um but uh what was your approach to those guys um i'll try to pull up a uh, uh some visuals here really quick
2: um yeah I'm, I'm i'm not sure if i if i can remember how we um if if we decided an an approach um uh, for them beforehand or if i just um started doing some sketches and then we I, I knew they were um like based on actual um like they were actual blue people i think due to some like crazy drug side effects
1: yeah it's uh, yeah it's um, definitely a meth representation yeah
2: yeah, so so that was um, in, the, in the back of my mind, for sure. Um, but then I just, I really wanted to make them um, pretty like skinny and animalistic in the way they sort of moved, I guess. Um, but I can't remember how much of that was in the script or we talked about beforehand, so I don't want to take any credit for that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I love, but I love, um, I love your intro to the characters and just the glowing eyes and uh, yeah. you do that really well in Bone Parish as well. You'll have these great moments where just the reflection of the eyes will come off of the characters right there. Um, and that's a really great detail. You don't see very much in comics. You'll see it in film, you yeah. know, like where it's shadows and you'll just get that one light from the eyes in there. And that's the only detail you see, but it's, it's used so effectively here with just, you know, scaring you with these characters—they're mysterious, of course. But um, later on, it's it's very good in sort of drama and menace
2: as well. That's how yeah, you it's, use your word. Um, it's almost a bit like um, like Gollum, how his eyes would like mm-hmm. glow in the in the darkness. And um, for for Bone Parish, actually, uh, Cullen wrote that in the scripts. Um, oh, I think wow. the, the the returning line is um, his eyes are pinpoints in pin pinpoints of light, something like that.
1: Oh wow. That's, that's a really like the cool detail. Re, re,
2: returning phrase. So that's my cue. Um, so, so I know that um, now we, we see uh, Andre and not grace, for example, spoiler for the, the later issues of bone parish, but right. Probably don't know what I'm talking about. If you haven't read it.
1: Yeah. 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 So yeah, everyone who's listening, um, they won't know what it means. Hopefully if they haven't read it. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, just you, 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 you handle these characters so well, uh, the mystery around them and, uh, especially, um, right here where, uh, chess meets them for the first time at this waterfall. Yeah. Uh, right here. And, uh, this is the page that my wife really loved. So she, she wanted me to ask about it. Um, when you were doing it, uh, like, I, I love how you, you even, did you draw in these, uh, like the music notes and everything like that in there? Or was that something added in by the letterist? Uh, mm,
2: I decided to hand draw the sound effects, which was a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty awesome, I think. Yeah. yeah. yeah, it's, it, yeah, it, yeah. Looks, um, it looks pretty cool because it pulls everything together, I think, but um, yeah, I have no idea. Um, about music like I don't know anything about it uh, I like to listen to it but aside from that um, yeah so getting that exactly right was was pretty tricky I think Philip had to like correct me a couple of times <laughs> he <laughs> sent me like notes on um, like whatever hotel he was staying at like he, he just photographed the, the notepad from there and sent me a corrected version. Uh, yeah, I think I redrew that like twice at least. Wow. That's awesome, I get something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. that's, that's how it is with me and my wife. Cause
1: she's a musician and I'm not yeah. at all. Yeah. So if I have any music questions, I just go to her and I'm
2: pretty yeah. one dimensional. I'm just, yeah. yeah, just art visual art.
1: <laughs> You're very good at it though. Yeah. Well, no, thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. These, these pages are just stunning. We talked about it earlier that, you know, that most of this comes from your imagination is pretty spectacular. Um, and, uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing reading the rest of bone parish. I'm a little behind, but reading what, 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 else you do with that world as well?
2: What issue are you on at the moment?
1: Um, I think I just finished issue four or
2: five, I think.
1: So I'm pretty behind. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, I think issue twelve is coming out in August, so oh, nice. depending on on how quickly you read, you might catch the um the second volume in September and then okay. the third volume in i don't know end of the year sometime
1: okay, very cool and then do you have a another project lined up after bone parish
2: uh yes i'm currently i'm doing some some covers and um I'll be starting on my next um five issue mini next week
1: oh right are you able to say what that is yet or is it still under wraps
2: no it hasn't been announced yet so okay i'd love to tell you but i can't
1: yeah no worries (laughs) yeah no worries at all it's uh we'll definitely be in line to pick an issue up though when it is announced and uh when it comes out um and uh any plans? Um, any any talks with Marvel about doing another like mini or anything like that, like another short story?
2: Um, I I'd, I'd like to do more for them. Um, yeah. The the, the the Avengers Halloween special was that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. I, I at first I wasn't quite sure if um, if after Bone Parish I'd um, I'd transition to more superhero stuff like easily because it was pretty like dark horror talking heads, that kind of stuff. So I was a little worried if I'd um, be able to transition to more like action superhero stuff. But um, I think the, the Halloween special sort of showed a bit of, um, like, I guess, I guess um, where, where both worlds meet. So yeah, hopefully more like that in the future.
1: Yeah, well, what's cool about Bone Parish is, at least in the first couple issues, um, you have that great sequence uh, at the end of issue four. Let me pull it it up really quick. This one right here, where this is a great action sequence. And then it ends horrifically, of course, um, because they blow the the powder into the guy's face and he starts freaking out. But this sequence was really cool action-wise. And then there was one earlier where... um, Oh, what's his name? Breeds it in, and he becomes the spec ops guy. So you, you definitely handle action and horror really well. And this series is really cool because it's good. It's got a good blend of both.
0: hmm yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. And was this um was this written into the script? The sort of Middle Eastern assassins.
2: Um uh, yeah, pr- pretty sure Cullen. Um, um, I I read something in the. We did a little afterward um, for to, to wrap up the 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 series, and um, I think he wanted at the very beginning he wanted to take it more into that direction, with like um, I guess the the hashashin or however they're called in yeah in English. Um, so to to go more into the um, that that angle of of like how the the ash can be used as a like weapon or as basically a superpower. Um, Yeah, those pages were a lot of fun. I really enjoyed like, like castles, nature, that kind of stuff. I really enjoy. So hopefully some more fantasy adventure type stuff in the future. Yeah. You're really good at that stuff.
0: So I have a question here and I know this, we talked about when you did the, the rural sort of Kentucky mountain scene, um, and Philip providing you some, some photo reference, but this, this first panel, the, 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 the hotel in, in New Orleans, do you, do you use things like, like Google, like street views to, to get, cause I'm, a, I don't know if you've ever traveled to, to the, you know, the South of the United States of America and New Orleans have. So do you use things like uh Google street view there?
2: Yeah, I, I don't travel a lot. I just sit on my ass at home and draw. So, <laughs> um, yeah google um when I do my layouts i usually um try to collect all of the like images that i'd i'd like to use for inspiration or reference okay um and then i pretty much do the, do the layouts and try to get like like to distill like the elements from from the photos that i like um into like this could be a generic New Orleans street with Mm -hmm. a hotel so yeah that's it's um it's pretty difficult like actually um because i'm so used to like european um just like starting from things like electrical sockets or um that kind of stuff is very different here so um sometimes you research stuff you wouldn't think about if you would didn't have to draw it i guess um, but yeah, hopefully it's at least convincing. Um, no, it, uh, it, it is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And yeah, hopefully we're not taking up too much of your time. It's, it's been so great talking to you, about all this stuff and no I'd love just to come on, just to have you back on, just to talk about this page or, you know, any page really. Cause it's, your work is really beautiful all across the board. Thank you. Yeah. Um, huge fan of it all. Like I said, I'd love to see you. Yeah. I'd love to see you keep working on anything really love to see you do a fantasy stuff. I'd love to see you go back to the, like the more tactical stuff that you did with, uh, war, war of, for the planet of the apes as well. Cause you did that stuff amazingly as well. Yeah. Um, in other words, I'd love to see you on a John wick book. That's what I'd love to see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause you do great with that.
2: Yeah, there there are John Wick comics. I think uh, who has the the yeah. license for that? IDW or Dynamite? Dynamite.
1: Yeah, okay. yeah. I, I own two. I own two oh, uh, original art pages from that series, actually. So, and it's uh, oh. yeah. Your your style would fit well within there. So that's a hint for you to go over to send your portfolio <laughs> over there because I would love to see you draw John Wick.
2: I yeah. I already have so much stuff that I that I want to do and that I have like. I wouldn't say "lined up, but um, yeah I talked with people about possibly doing in the future. So as I said earlier with Philip, I, I, I wish I could draw three times as fast. So: So just oh. so I could do a- everything that I, that I want to do. so
1: yeah. And as a devourer of your comics, I wish so too, but at the same time, I wouldn't want any of the quality that are in your comics to be lost in that speed, because it's you know, your, your work is really amazing.
2: But okay. You. Yeah. It's always tough for me to see like um, older pages because I'm really unhappy with with the work. Oh, really? Yes. I actually wanted to ask Philip about that. If he, as a writer, feels um, feels similar about his older work, because usually when the when the pages, um, or when the when the, the finished books, the, the comps come in the mail, I usually uh, don't like some of the pages anymore. Wow. So it's, it's tricky, but it, it's, I mean, it's good because you're, I guess, growing and learning, but, um, all the work is always a little bit of a, of an issue for me, I guess. So yeah. I'm happy to hear that you, that you like it. Um, oh, I
1: love it all. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I was introduced to your work when I picked up the War for the Planet of the Apes books and um, when the movie came out, cause I loved the yeah. movie so much, I needed something else.
2: The movie was great.
1: Yeah, it was and but the thing was is that I picked up the comic not really expecting much. I just needed something, yeah. you know? But the did the, you read the script before? was
2: Would you Sorry. say did, did you read it before or uh... No, no,
1: I watched it. I watched the movie first and then right. read it. But okay. You added your artwork and the script added to my experience of the film. And uh, we won't have too much time to get into that much of it. Um but there's this moment where bad ape uh he loses the little ape when he's running away yeah and i was already sympathetic to that character in the movie but when i read that i watched it again and i felt even more sympathy for him you know where i was just like oh wow and Did that you know? moment is 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 is
2: wordless in the yeah. book it's yeah, the moment was already pretty powerful in the script um but yeah what i'm really actually proud of is um I watched the trailer and I saw that bad ape had this um, this crocodile, um, I guess plush figure. Is that how it's called?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and so I put that in the hands of the little ape at, at the beginning. Oh, so, so, <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. I need to go back and look he at has, that again. The
2: little, like, the little crocodile. Um, yeah, like as a like token. Is that the word?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little token of his memory. And that makes sense with the character that he, he collects stuff. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's it was, it was such a good series. And then, actually, it was interesting because I knew you did Warlords. And then um, I saw Philip was doing a signing for Aquaman Annual in our area. So I went to meet him. And I saw Warlords on his table. And I was like, holy crap, I'm a huge fan of this artist's work. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah so yeah I've been since then I've just been hooked on all your stuff it's it's pretty amazing.
2: Thank you. I'm yeah glad you're enjoying it. That's Oh I love it. it. It really means uh it sounds so corny but it really means a lot to me if if people actually get something out of out of my work because it used to be very um I guess uh selfish you know just oh. sitting there and, and and drawing but um now you can actually share it with people and mm-hmm. They, they can enjoy it so it's not just being being an asshole and <laughs> not 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 doing something with your friends because you want to draw selfishly <laughs> you know so now i have an excuse for my antisocial behavior <laughs> there
1: you go well I'm, I'm excited to see how new york w- comic-con will be for you because then you'll have even more people who know your work there and it'll be amazing i'm sure
2: yeah i didn't get a table so i'll just be roaming i guess oh. um But yeah, last year was pretty, pretty crazy too. um, I awkwardly introduced myself to a lot of people who now may or may not remember who I am. (laughs) I think, I
1: think they know who you are now. I think they do. Yeah. 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 You're, you're, I'm pretty sure you're on everyone's radar, especially after, you know, you've had three amazing graphic novel level books. And then of course the amazing, uh, you know, you've had your your amazing stuff on Mighty Morphin, and then on uh, on the Halloween special last year. So I think you're on a lot of people's radar. We're just honored that you came onto our podcast to talk about it before you get too big.
2: Uh, um, I don't think I'll ever be too big. Uh, comics keep you pretty humble. Uh, no, no worries, no worries.
0: Yeah. So um, I know you joked about being antisocial, but do you want to? uh tell people where they can find you online to, to keep up with you and maybe hear more about this project that's that's coming up
2: um i'm not very good about my social media so um i'm I'm on instagram i'm on twitter um i'm also on facebook um i can't remember the the handles or whatever but um if you just search my name Jonas sha you'll just i'm I'm pretty sure my my pages will come up.
0: So, yeah, we'll yeah. we'll put we'll we'll also, put links to that in our in our show notes you. for for this podcast.
2: Yeah, or being the worst, uh, like,
0: no, your life is your life stuff. is probably for the best for not being uh, consumed with uh, social media.
2: Comics Twitter is crazy. I'll say that. <laughs> that, yeah. I'll say that much. It's a parallel universe. Um, yes. Which I don't claim to understand. Yeah, it's nuts on there. Yeah. But your
1: Instagram is awesome. I would recommend everyone to check that out. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's, it's a bit bit tricky. I try to post like um, non-spoilery stuff that I also like how Mm -hmm. it turned out. So um, yeah, every now and then I'll I'll post something.
0: Okay. Well, I'm going to, to wrap us up, but uh, uh, Noah, do you have any, any last thoughts, any
1: last questions uh, for Jonas? Oh, so many. But I'm hoping that means maybe he'll come back on and answer him again sometime. Because sure, uh, sounds-
2: I'm, I'm not tired of my like stumbling and and rambling. Then,
1: oh no, I mean so, I I would listen to this interview a lot. So yeah, yeah, yeah you. It's it's great to hear okay. your process. Yeah. Okay.
0: All right. Well, Jonas, I want to I want to thank you again and uh, we'll keep an eye out. And when some of these projects uh, get released, we'll make sure that um, our accounts uh, let people know that they're out. Um, If people want to give us a follow, we are on Twitter at Constructing Compod. We're on Instagram at Constructing Comics Pod and we are on Facebook at Facebook forward slash Constructing Comics. Uh, We also have a YouTube channel uh, under the same name of Constructing Comics, where we sometimes dive uh, deep into the visuals of of comic uh, storytelling. Um, But I'd like to once again thank Jonas uh, for joining us, and um, we'll be back with another episode very soon.